When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Hockey Show. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this live stream edition of the Athletic Hockey Show, teeing up the 2022-2023 NHL regular season. Ian Mendes, Sean Gentilly with you. For the next hour, we're going to have a lot of fun here. A bunch of guests. Got to ask you this, though, Sean, just to start this off. Uh, regular season technically started on Friday with the Preds and the Sharks, but that kind of felt like a fake. That's like a soft launch, right? The season wasn't quite the didn't quite have the traction here in North America, did it? How much that game did you watch? Be honest. None. I didn't don't, see any of it. Don't lie to me. I saw Ellie Tolvanen's goal for Nashville. And then after that, I, I just kind of I just kind of phased out. That's a good thing to do. I mean, good for those guys, especially like Tomas Hurdle, who's playing in Prague. He's from he's from the Czech Republic. He talked, I mean, I talked plenty of times over the last few weeks about how many family and friends he was going to have. This is a great experience for those guys who, you know, especially the, the Euro players. But man, you said it. That's a soft launch. I thought you were going to ask, you know, I thought you were going to ask about, by the way. What's that? The jaunty introduction music there. Yeah, the wait, the did, wait music. It, 90s. Uh, that felt like That's a it. 90s you know EA Sports. Yep. That's yeah. exactly that's exactly that's exactly what I was gonna say. That was PlayStation One, um, like menu selection music. Exactly. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got to make sure I, I don't have manual goalie selected here. That's how I felt when I heard that music. All right, we got a fun show uh, lined up for uh, for the viewers and the listeners uh, coming up in the next hour. We've got uh, Eric Stevens, who covers the Anaheim Ducks, going to join us later in the hour. Peter Baugh, who of course did a wonderful job covering the uh, Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche. Peter will drop by around 2.30. Arthur Staple, who covers New York for us, around 2.15. But we're going to kick it off here with Pierre Lebrun, who I think is all set to join us here to uh, to start the show. Everyone, Sean, Pierre Lebrun, uh, senior writer with us here with The Athletic, TSN, Hockey Insider, and now adding to his, uh, to his resume, uh, co-host of the uh, Got Your Back podcast with our pal Ryan Rashad, right? Yes, uh, we're a couple of podcasts in here, uh, Ian and Sean. Thanks for having me on, and it's been an absolute blast. Ryan does all the work, yeah. so Scott Burnside will attest of all the years he co-hosted a podcast with <laughs> me that someone has to do the work, and I just show up and I criticize and I whine, and we have a podcast, so it's been great. I've always said, I've always said, in, in so many different facets of life, Pierre, you're my role model, and uh, that's <laughs> that's a big one. You just show up, you say whatever. Let the leave the outlines of somebody else. Just come you on, got it, brother. Good. You go. got it. That's how it works. I love it. And Jen Tilly, by the way, you're out number two to one right now with Cowboys. I was fans. just about like seriously the the Look light bulb the light bulb went off when I saw the hat because Pierre's. <laughs> you guys are both loud and proud and very obnoxious Dallas Cowboys fans. So I I, yeah. I should have known it was coming. 
I'll wear it next uh, Monday, even if the Eagles destroy our you team. Have, wait, yeah, I thought, you have to I wear thought, it either way. I thought you were going to show up in a Cooper Rush jersey. Come on, just the hat. We need we need to go all in here. Well, I think Parsons would be my new jersey when next time <laughs> I buy one. I think it'll be all defense uh, from here on in, at least for this year. I love it. Hey, listen, Pierre, thanks for joining us for this season preview edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. And it's funny because I think everybody goes into the season thinking maybe this is our team's year to take that next step. But as I read your column today, 10 burning questions, no point in watching the season, Pierre. We're just going to get a repeat of the Stanley Cup final, right? Tampa and Colorado. Which, which I guess you could accuse me of being Captain Obvious. On the other hand, it almost never happens. So I kind of feel like I'm actually going out on a limb to some degree because it is hard to get back to the dance. And in this case, I'm saying Tampa's going back for a fourth time to this And I just think it's possible. I think the way the lightning and, and the avalanche have, have managed their cap and managed their core players uh, that they're right there in the top five, for sure. Everyone agrees on that, whether or not they can, you know, have some luck with health and injury and get to the, to the final series remains to be seen. But I said, you know what? Um, why couldn't these two teams meet up again? And uh, and boy, we no one would benefit more than us because that of all the cup finals I've covered, that was maybe the most entertaining of my entire career being there in person last June for Tampa and Colorado. So perhaps part of this is just me wishing to see another Avalanche Lightning Stanley Cup final. One of your other big picks was Kale McCarr for Hart. We're in the same camp on that one. I, I, I went I'm with him there too. What's, what's I saw that in your picks, uh, Sean. Yes. Uh, are, are we just bored of voting for McDavid? Is that what it is? Are we are we part of the same we part of the same tribe on that? Well, I, I think first of all, it allows me, as always, to push an agenda, and 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 one <laughs> of them, one of them is that defensemen never win the heart. I mean, can you imagine that Nick Lidstrom? And again, I, I'm part of the, I'm a voter, and I voted for a long time in NHL awards, so I'm as guilty as anyone else. But mm-hmm. let, let me point that out. But Nicholas Lidstrom won seven Norris trophies and never won a heart trophy. It's one of the, you know, it's just mind boggling to me. No one's won the heart as a defenseman since Chris Pronger in 2000. Why not Kale McCarr, who to me showed in the playoffs when he won the Conn Smythe as, as MVP? By the way, we never have a problem giving a defenseman the MVP in the playoffs when it matters mm-hmm. most, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, going back to Duncan Keith and, and, and et cetera. But uh, I just think, you know, McDavid and Drysell are always going to have that vote splitting issue, whether you're no matter what side you are on it, you have to acknowledge the issue. Right. In terms of the PHWA vote, uh, Austin Matthews could obviously repeat. But, you know, I, I just think that when you look at how Kale McCarr is separating himself at his position, potentially with another step this year, why wouldn't he be in the MVP conversation? Yeah, I, 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 I want to know our Blue Jackets fans all over Pierre Lebrun this morning because yes. in your column, 10 burning questions, yes. you ask the question, which player will be the biggest disappointment? Now, Columbus fans, Pierre, they finally have something to cheer about. They get the most sought-after free agent, and then here comes the wet blanket, Pierre Lebrun saying, no, 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 he might be the biggest disappointment this season. I believe I said one of the biggest disappointments. <laughs> but yes, it's still it's still negative. And I think, listen, as I wrote, I think he he's probably still good for 95 points. The point I was making is that to feed off what he did last year, where he was one of the best players in the world, 115 points, an incredible season by any measure in Calgary. And then I always sort of examine adjustment periods for players moving from one program to another, one city to another, and then the pressure that he might feel in having made that decision and, 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 
you know, whether or not that's a factor early on or not. When you put all these things together, um, I, I just think that Johnny Goudreau is going to be very good this year. I just don't think we're going to get the same version of last year. And, and to be honest, I'm surprised that, you know, Jackets fans took it to that degree in terms of the negative reaction because mm-hmm. I'm still, I'm still saying, saying he's going to be a very good player. And I think the Jackets are on the way up, but I just don't think we're getting 115 point Johnny Goudreau. That's my opinion. And I hope he proves me wrong. Like it's some crazy hot take for you to say that he's going to drop 15, 20 points with Boone right. Jenner as a center instead of Elias Lindholm. Like that's just the cost of doing business. If you're going from, Calgary to, Calgary to Columbus. I could have told you this was going to happen, by the way. Like Blue Jackets, when we rolled out their season preview, which had them, you know, in the bottom, bottom, tw- you know, bottom third of the league, they were pissed. They were mad. So I feel like I feel like you can thank Dom uh, and his spreadsheet for kind of priming the pump for people to be mad at you for this one. They've they've like they've got an axe to grind with us already. It's un- it's understandable. But we we all like the Blue Jackets, right? There's this isn't it's not for hater sure. stuff to say like there's still a couple steps for them to take before they're an actual, you know, playoff team. And it really was, I mean, listen, I have questions about their blue line, uh, mm-hmm. but, but it really was an amazing off season for a franchise uh, that has lost so many marquee players to win the Johnny Goudreau sweepstakes, to be able to sign line. I mean, there's so many positive things that have happened in that market, but the fact remains that I was trying to look at some marquee players that I felt were in for a bit of a downturn. And that's the guy I came up with. Toronto Maple Leafs have not won a postseason series Uh-oh. since 2004. Yeah. Almost a two-decade drought, but Pierre LeBron says it changes in 2023. But does this mat- matter on the matchup, Pierre? Like, do they have to win the Atlantic Division in order to get a more favorable matchup? Or how do you see this playing out? First of all, I believe there was a younger Ian Mendez and a younger Pierre LeBron in the <laughs> rink the last time the Leafs won a playoff yep. series. Against Patrick Laleem and the Ottawa Senators. We were there. Oh, yep. my gosh. That was 18 years ago, going on 19. God. Yeah, that's crazy. Anyway, let me snap out of it. Um, yeah, so so I think I think uh, Tampa, Toronto are 1-2 in the Atlantic this year. I think Florida – listen, I'm not as – I haven't criticized the Panthers as much as other, uh, other people for the trade they made. I think that longer term, the Kachuk uh, signing slash trade is going to make a lot of sense for their franchise for all kinds of reasons. But in the interim, I do think they take a bit of a step back mm-hmm. uh, competitively. I think that opens the door, uh, health permitted, for for Tampa and Toronto to make it a one-two race at the top of the Atlantic. And therefore, if I'm right about that, then they uh, avoid each other in the first round. And yes, I do believe this is it, that the Shanna plan delivers a first-round playoff series win, if not more, if not more, once they get that anvil off their back. I do believe this is it. Okay, how how much, how many series do they have to win for it to not be viewed as a catastrophe of a season? Like, like what needs to happen there? Like, is one going to be enough if they if they come out and win a six game series in the first? Will that be enough to kind of change the narrative surrounding them and get and mm-hmm. have at least like ditch some of the fatalism around that? Like, at least around this batch of players. By the way, I love the fact that we're all the same. The only Leafs discussion worth having is what happens come playoffs. Yeah, the next, the next six months are completely, yeah. completely yeah, exactly. useless for the Leafs. I mean, I don't care if they come out of the gate 10-0 and 0 or 0-10. Well, I shouldn't say that. 0-10 could be interesting. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, I, I think that they probably need to win two rounds and get to a Final Four for it to feel like the program under Kyle Dubas has achieved finally what it wanted to achieve to some degree. 
but you know, the thing you can't predict is what the team looks like health wise, getting to a second round, et cetera, et cetera. But generally speaking, to answer your question, Sean, I don't think one playoff series is enough, but I just, you know, I, I do honestly feel that there are all kinds of reasons we won't get into it, why it hasn't happened for them, but I, I but it's almost some of it positive regression that they finally get that bounce. They've been a good team for a long time. And I do think they'll get through the first round. I mean, do we, do we want to ask like more granular Maple Leafs questions? Like we, we can go down to the nitty gritty. We can ask what Adam Goddard's going to bring the Toronto Marlies or whatever. We can really turn this into like <laughs> well, a Leafs Leaf centric show if it'll make you feel better. Well, the goaltending is interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, listen, uh, you know, you want to you want to talk about hot takes. I actually think Matt Murray's is going to bounce back to some degree, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's actually Elias Samsonov who's in goal for the first game of the playoffs for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think that he's actually the ceiling play here for Toronto as far as first round pedigree, what this guy was supposed to be, and maybe needed a change of scenery from Washington. Would not surprise me if he's and and playing in front of a pretty good team here again. Um, you know, there, there's a bit, there's a bit of a take there. It wouldn't surprise me if it's him in that. Amazing. Listen, before we let you go, I just realized this, Pierre. I was in the press box for Toronto's last playoff series win in 2004. My wife was pregnant with our first daughter at the time. Oh my God. That child is now in she's, university. She's going. She's going to college now. Yeah, oh she's in God. university. It's uh, it's been a while. It's been yeah. a while in these parts, but uh, you know what? It won't be the last time you guys talk about it this year. No, exactly. Listen, it might. It might be. I think I'm done. I, yeah. I, I think. I'm, I think I'm out on the leaves. We've had our fill. You know what? They're going to be fun to talk about in April or May. Not. Uh, not so much in uh, October. Listen, Pierre. Thanks for dropping by. Always appreciate the time and the insight. Uh, looking forward to your coverage uh, all season long. All right. Anytime, guys. Good luck the rest of the show here. All right. There goes uh, Pierre LeBron, who uh, just. Uh, uh, boy, I, I apparently rattled the cages of Columbus fans by saying Johnny Goudreau is going to be at this point. But it's interesting. I, I think I agree with your both of your premise that, look, if Johnny Gaudreau has 115 points in Columbus, he's probably the Hart Trophy winner. Because right. I don't see a scenario where he could get 115 points. But if he does it, hey, I'm I'm all in. But I, I think a 20-point regression would still mean an all-star caliber season for, for Johnny Gaudreau. I, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's just the, like, all, all, respe- all due respect to Patrick Lina and Boone Jenner and Cole Sillinger and these guys who seem like they're going to be his line mates at one point or another this season. But like guys aren't Matthew Kachuk guys aren't Elias Lindholm. It's fine. There's going to be a drop off in production. And again, that's not, that's not hater stuff on the, on the blue jackets, right? This is just the progression for them. They need, they, they need one year of, you know, being, being almost there and another year of development for guys like Sillinger and Ken Johnson and whatever, but before they're, before they're a real, a real uh, playoff you know, potential team. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Like, it's going to be interesting because I think teams like Columbus and New Jersey and Detroit and Ottawa all think mm-hmm. that, hey, we're going to take a, a tangible step forward. But to do that, you need someone to fall out of the top eight. And, you know, before we bring Arthur Staple in here, I'm curious because, Sean, we've never had a season where all eight playoff teams from one year turn around and qualify for the playoffs the next year. There's always, right? There's always at least one season, uh, one team that, that falls out of the top eight. If I had to ask you, just looking at the East, we'll do the West a little bit later with with Eric Stevens because I think the West is pretty interesting too. But just looking at the East for a second, you had to pick one team that falls off out of the top eight. Who are you going with? You read my mind on this because when we were filling out our 
projections and our project our predictions for that all staff you know full NHL full athletic NHL staff batch of uh, predictions that came out a couple weeks ago or a couple days ago I felt terrible because I predicted an identical Eastern Conference playoff picture last year we all know that's not going to happen right I felt I felt I felt horrible about it but that to me is one of the most interesting parts of the season is the bottom of the Eastern Conference playoff picture and if there is a team that's going to fall out, I still feel like it's going to be the Washington Capitals, right? That was it. I came into I came into the entire discussion being like, okay, this feels like it's the year that the Caps are going to drop off because of the injuries and whatever. And I just couldn't get there because I'm not going to bet against Alex Ovechkin until he gives me a reason to. And Darcy Kemper is pretty good, right? And that was their single biggest issue more than anything over the course of the, of, of that last regular of the last few regular seasons is their goaltending was terrible. And Darcy Kemper. Playing for the Avs aside was a top five, top six goalie in the league last year. So I think he, I think he's going to be enough to drag him in. It's boring. It's a boring pick. I was worried about making a boring pick, but here we are. No, I think a lot of people look at it, and it's a race amongst maybe, maybe Washington, maybe Boston. You always hear Pittsburgh. It's the same three teams, right? Because they've been hanging around for 10, 15 years as perennial playoff teams. But to me, until they miss, they've earned the right to be locked in. How many Playoff times have we said this, right? Like I can't, I can't pick against these teams, especially Crosby and especially Ovechkin until they give me a reason to, I'm going to have to see the decline first, like the true decline in production and, 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 you know, success at a team level before I pick against them. I'm just not in a spot where I'm going to predict it myself. Well, a call lot me, of call people, me a coward if you must, but that's where I am. No, well, listen, a lot of people think that maybe a team that's due for a regression, the New York Rangers, right? Mm-hmm. Because they lived off, Great goaltending and great uh, great power play last season. I think the Rangers are interesting because, I mean, they were a hair away from getting to the Stanley Cup final last year. And really, the rebuild has accelerated at a ridiculous pace when you go back a couple of years. But look, they've got all the pieces. Are you one of those people, though, that think, Sean, that, hey, the Rangers are due for a bit of a regression that they did? I, Chris Kreider's not. Is he going to flirt with 50 goals again and whatever, 25 power play goals? Um, are they going to cool off a little bit? I mean... They should. Like, is Igor Shesterkin going to have another 940 season? Like, probably not. But that's it goes back to what we were saying about Johnny Gaudreau. Like, this is a tough ask. It's tough to expect a goalie to be that good two years in a row. It's tough to expect Chris Kreider to score, score 50 goals and 25 in the power play two years in a row. Like, that's, that doesn't mean that they're bad. It just means that it's, you know, the odds are kind of stacked against them. But with the Rangers, this has been said plenty of times, they're going to go as far as those young guys can carry them. Like, that is that is the change is the idea that Lafreniere is going to take a step forward and Kako is going to take a step forward. And that's going to change things, you know, based on what we saw from them for the bulk of last season before they made all those trade deadline additions and went on their little run there. So it's a perfect segue for us to bring in Arthur Staple. Hey, uh, let me ask you the same question I just asked Sean Gentile, which was, if you had to pick one team that made the playoffs in the Eastern Conference last season that would regress and potentially miss the postseason this year, who's your pick? Uh, I'm going with Sean. I'm saying Washington. Um, I think your guys are right. It's not going to be the same eight, and we're certainly not going to see all eight spots locked up by whatever it was, November 10th, it felt like mm-hmm. last season. Yeah. Um, Close enough. So, yeah, I mean, the usual suspects are in there. Pittsburgh, we're waiting for them to fall off. Boston, maybe they won't be able to recover. I just don't think that the bottom four of that division is really strong enough to overtake them. But uh but I think in the Metro, you know, I feel like the Rangers are in a good spot. Carolina's in a good spot. Pittsburgh's probably in a good spot. And uh, and then that last spot is probably up for grabs. And I don't know if Washington will be able to grab it. Um, the Islanders should be better. 
Jersey should be better. Columbus should be better. So I think maybe there's one of those four that uh, that's got a shot, and maybe Washington's you know falling around to that under fifty percent uh, playoff chance uh, right now, just because they don't look quite as strong as they have in years past. But um, you know, predictions are not my forte, so we'll see. From the young guys, who's the most likely to step up and give the Rangers what they're needing? Because we know they're they're pinning a lot on Lafreniere and Capo, and you know that younger group of forwards Kravtsov it seems like he might you might have something to bring to the table which of those guys is is uh is the ace in the hole for them this year it's probably Lafreniere at least as far as the guys up front you know he he's a guy who, who maybe didn't have such a noticeable regular season last year but he still had 19 goals all of them mm-hmm. at even strength he's not going to get any power play one time unless there's an injury this time around too um so it's got to be more even strength he's starting out on the third line I have a sneaking suspicion he'll be he'll be creeping up into the top six on the right side at some point here in the next uh, you know month or two, and he's a guy who just you know of the forwards you know Philip Hedl had a really nice stretch of playoff games that sort of showed what he's made of and and what he what kind of scorer he could be. But I think from day one of the playoffs to the very end, Lafreniere was the guy who raised his game the most, um, and I feel like he's going to be able to carry that into this season. So maybe we're looking at a 23-24 goal. Year, which you know, if he had any power play time, if he was on a team that needed him mm-hmm. on the PP one, that's that's thirty to thirty three. So it's a it's a legit season on this team, and uh, you know, I think he's going to bounce around a little bit, but I have to feel like he's going to find a home in the top six uh, and really be able to produce and kind of bring uh, more of a complete game, maybe than he did last year. Stip, I, I'm looking forward to seeing the New Jersey Devils this year because I think they've got a great collection of young players. It looks like they're on the precipice of of, of uh, taking a step. The Islanders are an interesting team. As you look at that three team, you know, and the trifecta there with the Rangers, Devils and Islanders, and the fact that, you know, they probably all have postseason aspirations. How do you see that rivalry shaking out this season with the, amongst those three teams? And, and, and can the Devils actually push themselves into the conversation to be kind of taken seriously now? I mean, it's, it's funny. We talk about it now. The Islanders and Rangers only play three times. They're one of the teams that had a had a game taken away, which is ridiculous. So we're done, I think, in that rivalry by the by you know the first week of November. Sort of like the sort of like the Flames and the Oilers, by the way. Yeah. Like the the, the this, choice this is the not choice a, of the league. Not a master stroke here <laughs> from the league, but uh, <laughs> but you know I, I you know I hope it's more of a rivalry. The Rangers and Islanders always seem to go back and forth, no matter where they are in the standings. Um, you know, I certainly covered enough of those games on the other side with the Islanders where even in years where they were bad, they seemed to come through and and uh, and win a game or two at the, at the Garden. So, you know, that's always a seesaw battle. And Jersey, I feel like, you know, they really have to come out of the gate strong to start this season. They, they got to stay healthy. They got to get good goaltending um, or else, you know, if they're bobbing along and they make a coaching change, you know, I know sometimes that helps some teams, but it just I, ha- I have to be able to see this team have some sort of mental fortitude to get through a rough patch. They've mm-hmm. seemed to have just fallen apart, you know, from the first month of the season, the last few years. So if they can do that and they can stay in the hunt, maybe we'll have a, a real tri-state rivalry. Um, it hasn't seemed to happen for a few decades where all three of them are really good. Uh, I would take two of them making the playoffs and maybe even playing each other in the playoffs to call it a successful hockey season around here. Is this the season or I, I... – I'm talking talking about this guy like he's been in the league for like 10 years. We're all just waiting on him. But do we see a leap from Keandre Miller this year? I feel like there's a lot of people that are, you know, think he's he's ready to elevate his game even more after after a pretty impressive run last year. 
Yeah, I you know I think of of the guys in this team, nobody took a bigger step forward last mm-hmm. year than him from the beginning of the year. Where, you know, maybe Gerard Gallant was thinking about scratching him just because he was making some some kind of egregious decisions on the ice. He he obviously has the physical skills to make up for any mistakes he makes, but there were there was a consistent number of mistakes, and I think uh, they stuck with him. You know, having a steady partner like Jacob Truba definitely helped. Um, you know, you didn't have they didn't have to burden those guys with heavy minutes because they've got Adam Fox also. Uh, so he's able to kind of ease back into a confident frame of mind. And then by the end of the year, you know, game seven against Pittsburgh, uh, the overtime playoff goal winner by Artemi Panera was on a power play. Who drew that power play? Keandre Miller mm-hmm. with a crazy rush up the ice early mm-hmm. in overtime. That not a play you would have seen him make a month or two or three months earlier. So uh, just seeing him through camp, um, you know, he seems very confident on the ice, off the ice. Uh, you know, I think he knows that this is an opportunity for him not only because uh, he wants to take a big step forward, but it's a contract year. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think, I think the the feeling is there for him that he wants to have a big, a big showing and, and big showing on this defense doesn't necessarily mean 60 points. I think Adam Fox is the guy who's going to eat up all the points and, and Jacob Truba plays on the second power play unit. Miller's going to have to do it kind of as a more uh, dynamic five on five uh, PK type of defenseman. Um, so maybe he won't get the notice that the other guys will get if they're putting up the big points. But uh, but I think he's he's a guy that's very important for Gallant and for this team. State, before we uh, let you go, let me ask you the same question that uh, we asked LeBron uh, because he gave us his Stanley Cup final prediction. He says it's going to be a repeat. Just look for the uh, the Avs and the Lightning. Um, what are you thinking? Right now, it's early October. A lot can change. If you're making a Stanley Cup prediction, what are you going with right now? Uh, I'm going to say Blues over Rangers. Um, I feel like this is going to be this is going to be an unpredictable postseason. Maybe it'll be predictable with number of the, the teams that we see in the playoffs. Um, but I feel like the Rangers are probably going to win the Metro. In my estimation, I, you know, Igor Shesterkin, even if he doesn't throw up a 9.35 and have an, an incredible year like he had, he drops down even 15 points in a save percentage. That's still way above league average. 9.20 is elite goaltending. Uh, and I think they have enough from the kids uh, to balance out their scoring and not rely on their top their top heavy guys. So I think this is going to be a successful year for the Rangers. Take a step forward. Maybe they'll add a certain number, 88, from Chicago towards the deadline if they have enough cap space. Uh, you know, I think that thing hanging out there as long as it will. Um, you know, the Rangers have still got to probably got to be the front runner for that guy uh, as we go deeper into the season. So they're able to add him. Um, I think that kind of puts them at the top of the favorites list in the East. Uh, and I like St. Louis. I know some other people don't really think they're even a playoff team, but I just sort of feel like they've got the right mix coaching, uh, you know, good balance. Um, you know, and I think their goaltending is, you know, can be hit or miss, but I think if Bennington has a nice bounce back year, they get in uh, and they're good enough to steal some series once they get there. So St. Louis over the Rangers, um, I'll probably be completely wrong, but that's perfectly okay. Rutherford, Rutherford over Staple. Yeah, in the battle in the, in the beat rider bottom. Yes, yeah. that's right. I say always a safe move to predict the team that you largely cover is going to go deep. <laughs> nobody gets and, nobody gets mad when you're wrong too. It's no, great. no, no at all. Hey, listen, I know you, you probably get to, you got to get to the garden now, right? For the uh, enough, yeah, season oh opener. So listen, looking forward to uh, your coverage from that one. It's a lot of fun. The season that kicks off tonight. Thanks for uh, taking the time to join us here on the uh, Athletic Hockey Show. Thanks, guys. There he goes. Always great to, uh, uh, to to have him. So, look, we've kind of taken care of the Eastern Conference picture a little bit there with Stape and, and Pierre Lebrun. Why don't we take a break and, and let's let, let's make a prediction here before we come back. 
uh, we take a break. Does Peter Baugh rock the what? What did you, what did you call him last year? Indiana, oh, Indiana Baugh, in, Indiana Baugh, because um, <laughs> he had the hat. Indiana Jones style hat. It's not a fedora. It's not not a, it was yeah exactly. Not, exactly. We want to be clear. Not, it wasn't not a fedora cowboy hat. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say he's wearing it. Yeah, I'm gonna say he's, I'm gonna say he's wearing a different hat. But anyway, <laughs> why don't we take why don't we take a break? We're gonna we'll come back on the other side. and We'll see what Peter Baugh is wearing. Uh, you're uh, watching or listening to, I guess, a live edition of the Athletic Hockey Show 2022-2023 NHL season. Before we get to Peter Baugh, let, let's just show a little graphic here. So Dom Lushishin, uh did the the rankings of the, the the top ten teams in the NHL this year, and certainly. There was a lot of debate over the fact that the top two teams were mm-hmm. Canadian and number one was Toronto. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche sit at three. As you look at this, before we get to Peter, Sean, is there one team on this list that you're like, wow, I'm surprised mm-hmm. that they're, they're either like A, they made the list or B, like their placement on said list? Boston. Yeah, um, okay, so me too. 100%. I know, so I, I know enough about Dom's statistical model. I know what it, I know what he, you know, what it, what he, puts stock in and just kind of the, the guts of it. I know enough to know that it really likes the Boston Bruins overall. Like they, there's always a bias towards what they bring to the table, right? Which is like phenomenal play driving and really high X goal rates. And there's, there's a lot to like about the Boston Bruins, but I was surprised to see him at six. And part of the reasons for that is the injuries, right? They're starting without yeah. Matt Grizzlick and they're starting without Charlie McAvoy and there's all sorts of, no Marshand, you know, right? No Marshand. Damn. Taylor Hall is banged up. I forget. Like, yeah. We also don't know what we're going to get from David Krejci. Like people assume that we're getting, you know, David Krejci from two years ago without, you know, he played, he played, in the, he played in Czech last year. He's getting old. Like, is he just going to bang off the rust and still be like a prime two C for them? Like, yeah. I don't know. So there's a lot on it there. I, and I do, I, I like, I like Boston more than, you know, I, I do. I like to make the playoffs. Yes, I do. I think they're a playoff team, but for them to be six overall, that was, that was the one where I was like, Hmm. Okay. Right. And, and you know, they got a new coach too. That, that to me yeah. is, uh, is surprising. I love, uh, I love Jim Montgomery for, for Jack Adams, by the way, he was, that's like, I feel like everything is lined up for him to, for him to make a run at that. You know, we we know what he's trying to come back from in Dallas. I was a very ugly end to his, to his time there. We know that he's going to deal with injuries at at the start of the season. That's like a great narrative, you know? So I'm, I think he's, you know, primed to go on a run and maybe add, add to his trophy trophy case there. But yeah, there's a lot, that's a lot of, that's a lot of stuff for Boston to overcome here in the first couple of months. Well, I'll tell you what, we've talked about Peter Baugh. We saw the avalanche number three on the list. Let's bring him in. And let's check out his hat game here in October of 2022. It is, <clears throat> there's no hat. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. There's no hat. Oh, oh there is. He's back. We're back. He's giving yes. the people what they want. <laughs> Ian, Ian, I think you owe me 10 bucks. Is that what, is that I, what we settled on? Yeah, we did. Mm-hmm. But now, now for the benefit, uh, Gentilly, of our uh, podcast listeners who won't mm-hmm. be able to see Peter Baugh's hat like the viewers, describe it to them. <laughs> describe <laughs> oh, it to man. them. Describe it. Uh, this is the legendary Peter Baugh hat that he bought while he was in Nashville. It's brown. I think it's possibly some sort of felt. Uh, he wore it consistently. Felt maybe like a velour, I don't know, suede. There's some sort of like t- tactile thing going on there. And he wore it over the course of the Avs playoff run to the point where, you know, 
Nathan Nathan McKinnon, early fan of the hat, early fan of the hat. It, it carried over, you know, through the entire run there. So welcome yeah. to Pete and his hat. We're happy to see both of you. That was actually the only day I wore it to the arena. Was was the day Nathan McKinnon liked it. So maybe I should have I should have done it a bit more. But it's back for the show. I give the back people the what show. they want. We love it because you had it last year. Avs win the cup. We come back uh, this year and look. The Avs are uh, listed as the uh, on on Dom's model. They're the, the number one team in the Western Conference. Pierre LeBrun just said he expects the Avalanche to get back to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, like in Denver, what are the realistic expectations here? about about this team like coming into a season in which they've just won the Stanley Cup yeah I mean I think it's you can't it's hard to to go into a season and say like this team will win the Stanley Cup because it's a very hard trophy to win and you have to have some some lucky breaks and stuff but I think this is a team that the expectation around Denver and and my personal expectation is that they're going to be a contender and are going to be among the top teams in the league. And we'll, we'll be playing, I don't know if they'll win the cup, but they'll be playing deep into the playoffs. And, um, and yeah, I think it, it should be a, they've, they've lost some pieces, but I think they'll also add at the deadline. I think the roster is somewhat similar in talent level to it was at the start mm-hmm. of last year. Um, we'll see what they do at the deadline, who they can, who they can bring in. But I, I think that it's, it's a good team and they're going to potentially go pretty far. I think the biggest reason for concern around them is the losses, especially especially up front. Nazem Kadri out, you know, I, that's that's the big that's the big you know flip from last season. How sold are they on Alex Newhook as his replacement as a second line center? And what is it about his you know his skill set that they think can uh, aptly aptly replace a guy who was as good as as Kadri was for them really regular season all the way through the playoffs, well, at least whenever he was healthy. Totally. Yeah. I think that Alex Newhook is Jared Bednar was actually pretty forthcoming about how he envisions him um, kind of playing on this team. He he said essentially that he's going to get a shot and he doesn't mean at second line center and he doesn't mean a few days or a few games. He's going to get a few, few months, maybe even until the deadline before the team makes a decision on, on what they need to do to, to bolster the, the roster potentially. Um, so it's definitely a, a really big opportunity for Newhook. He's a, a skilled player. He was solid defensively last year. Um, I think he there's more scoring ability. It, like he has the potential to be a better scorer than he was last year as a 20, 21 year old. Um, so I think this is a, a chance where obviously he's going to be playing a lot more minutes with better players and he can potentially show that off. I think that Avs were happy with his preseason. Um, he came in looking looking big, um, and he looked quick to me. So I, I think he's he's someone that look. It's, you're not going to get 87 points from mm-hmm. from Alex Newhook, but if you can get what 58, 62, mm-hmm. something in that range, like you're really happy because Nazem Kadri was a luxury for the Avs last mm-hmm. year. Like it was, it made them when when both those lines were rolling, it made them almost impossible to be you saw that when they went 16 and four in the playoffs um will they have that combination again of those top two lines probably not but will they have two lines that are good enough to make up the top two lines of a cup contending team i think absolutely you know it's not often that a team wins the stanley cup and they part ways with their number one goalie i Mm -hmm. you know i'm but i'm getting some anti-niemi vibes here uh Mm. with, with them parting ways and they're like hey we won the Stanley Cup with you, not because of you, and that being Darcy Kemper. What, what's the feeling there in, in Colorado around Georgiev, around the goaltending situation with Darcy Kemper out, uh, out the door? 
Yeah, I think this is kind of a, a fun stat, but I, I don't know have it exactly in front of me, but I think he's the, assuming he doesn't come back to the abs at some point later in his career, he'll be the the third goalie ever for their their one season to be a Stanley Cup winning, <laughs> to start for a Stanley Cup winner. Um, and I think the other two are from like the fifties and the thirties or something. So uh, do we have a, do we have a, uh, Toronto St. Pat's or whatever? Yeah. Next in there? yeah <laughs> we need probably. a Frank McCool, 1930, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. 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 You won't be finding him on the NHL 99 though. Cause only expansion. <laughs> oh, oh, oh you never know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think that, um, yeah, Kemper was, let's face it. He had a, a tough postseason. Some of that were because of factors outside of his control. He almost had his eye gouged out by a stick, mm-hmm. which looked not very fun. Um, and I think that you saw that really impact his performance pretty much from the um, when he came back in the Blues series all the way into the Cup final. He he put together – I'll give it, like you, Darcy Kemper deserves a ton of credit. He played awesome in game four, awesome in game six, two games the Avalanche needed to win. Um, and, and they won the Stanley Cup with him in net. But I think Alexander Georgiev, they looked at the performance uh, that they got from their goaltenders throughout the, the postseason last year, and they saw Kemper kind of struggled, especially in the St. Louis series. They won the Edmonton series with Pavel Francouz, and they kind of thought, well, why don't we save $2 million um, against the cap, sign a cheaper goalie in Alexander Georgiev, and, and have that money to use elsewhere? It gives them some flexibility. And so Georgiev is going to get the opportunity he he wants. I talked to him the other day. Um, it was a really interesting interview, and I think he's definitely confident. And the Avs believe that with more playing time, there's more potential there that he wasn't able to, to kind of uh, bring out of himself in New York just with the circumstances of who he's playing behind. But I think that, uh, yeah, it's it's certainly a question mark, um, and we'll see how it plays out. It's a gamble, but I think the Avs just looked at their goaltending last postseason and said we can duplicate that with this tandem. Where can this team get better? Because we've talked about, you know, the downgrade maybe to Newhook. We've talked about the downgrade maybe to Yorgiev. Like, what are the spots on that roster with individual players that you look at and say, this is where Colorado can be stronger than they were last season, particularly in the postseason? Well, I think we could be. There's a world in which this defensive core is just, like, all-time good. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kale McCarr is awesome already. Devon Taves is awesome already. And I think you really saw in the playoffs last year flashes of what Bowen Byram can be. This is a guy who's 21 years old. He's dealt with a lot of concussion issues, but it seemed like he turned the corner at the end of last year. It was awesome in the playoffs, led the avalanche and actually led the entire Stanley cup final in five on five minutes as a 21 year old and looked awesome. So if you can get a full year of that production from Bowen Byram, that defensive core could be really, really, really scary. And then I also think that a full year of Arturi Lackanen is going to go a long way. I think he could, he's such a good puck retriever, especially on the power play that I think that he fits like a glove there, losing Kadri Hurts, obviously. But I think he works really well with that top power play unit, and I think he's going to play on one of the top two lines for the Avs. Before we let you go, um, if you had to pick one team, Peter, in the Western Conference, that's the biggest threat, that when you look Mm. at them right now as they're currently constructed, you're like, I feel like the Avs are going to have to go through this team. Who is it for you to get out of the West to get back to the Stanley Cup Finals? I think the Oilers are going to be really good. And I thought that I was like kind of trendy with that pick, but then I've seen a bunch of other people pick them and now I feel less trendy, but I, I really, that Oilers forward group is really, really strong. I think Jack Campbell's an upgrade in that. I think that their defensive group, 
especially if they're active at the deadline, can get better. And I'm really, really curious to see how how they do. I think they they should be very fun to watch and should be a really challenging team for anyone to play. So I, I think that, that that's a team that the Avs should – them and Calgary, I would say, are the, the two teams that would scare me most with the Blues kind of in the next next little range there. All right. Hey, listen, as we let you go, two things. Number one – Time for a shameless book promotion. Why don't you tell the uh, the audience if they haven't had a chance to pick up your copy of uh, Carry Me Home, uh, maybe give us an idea of where they can get it from and how the the uh, the book launch has gone over the last few months. Yeah, so we have um, at The Athletic, we have Carry Me Home, which is kind of a volume of stories um, from from throughout the season. Sean wrote the uh, the intro. Um, yeah, we did. Uh, we did an equal amount of work on that book. Peter, for <laughs> um, sure. But yeah, it just is kind of a, a look back at, at all the abs kind of storylines throughout the year. And then there's another book coming out in November called Force of Nature, which is kind of a deeper reported book about um, with new material about the Avs Cup run and kind of the making of the team and how this team went from last place in the league in 2017 to hoisting the Stanley Cup. With a forward by Matt Duchesne. Am I right on that? (laughs) He did not. Um, He did not write the forward. Emily Kaplan wrote the forward. Ah, there you go. Good stuff. Hey, and one last question. Uh, Blink 182 announcing the, uh, the tour is coming. How many <laughs> stops do they have in Denver? I don't know. They have one every home game. It feels like. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> that song was stuck in my head consistently for about. It still kind of is. Like it's every yeah. time I hear it, I almost this is abs fans will be very mad at me, but I like I I, I like I've heard it too much now. Um, it's just it's, but they love it and it's a cool environment and um. But yeah, you definitely hear it a lot when you're in Denver. I've had a revolving door of Blink-182 songs stuck in my head for the last uh, 25 years. So welcome <laughs> welcome, well, welcome to the club, dude. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Do <laughs> I get to make stuff. my cup pick? Yes. Yeah, go for it. Let's go. All right. I'm a chaos agent. Um, I think <laughs> yes. I, I think it's this – is, this is bad. I sometimes make my cup picks on what would be fun, not necessarily – like I can't pick the abs to repeat because that's just boring. Um, but – I, I am picking the Edmonton Oilers over the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> and it's going right. to be wild. I mean, that's the move, right? You you make picks like that. And if it comes through, people will think you're a genius. And if not, you know, who cares? doesn't matter. Totally. It was a joke. Jack Campbell yeah, goalie just... goal overtime game seven. <laughs> oh. The Jack Campbell revenge series. Indiana Jones. Go. Indiana Bob Here. looking into his crystal ball. Let's go. Love it. All right. Hey, listen, thanks for doing this. Looking forward to your coverage of uh, the abs this season. Looking forward to that new book uh, dropping as well. Listen, thanks for uh, for dropping by, and uh, I'm sure we'll get you on some version of the Athletic Hockey Show here uh, in, the, in the weeks ahead. Thank you so much. All right. There goes Peter Baugh. Does a great job covering that Colorado avalanche. And, hey, that's, a, that's an interesting move, right? I, I said the state, if you're a beat writer, the one thing you want to do, you want to kind of pander to the, your, your own audience and pick your own – team that you cover to go deep peter bosick no 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 he's edmonton toronto agent of, agent of chaos kid said it about himself that's what i've said about said about him for the last like six months or so he knows he gets it all right hey listen the uh, final guest here for the hour of the athletic hockey show a uh, live stream edition is a guy who does a terrific job covering uh, the Southern California beat for us. He is Eric Stevens, and uh, he joins us here on the Athletic Hockey Show from, I'm sure, it's warmer. You know, there was actually snow in my area on the weekend. Snow so already. Know, yeah, exactly. I know. So you know <laughs> no, thank you. that Eric Stevens is hitting <laughs> that us sucks. much better. 
<laughs> oh yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, we know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, you're asking me to come on after a guy who covered, you know, the covered the uh, Stanley Cup champions has written two, maybe three books, you know, now on the way, and has that incredible hat that uh, he just showed everyone. So uh, you, you know, this is going to go downhill from 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 that. Big shoes. You got Zegers. Fine. We can just yeah, exactly. You got it's a it's an even it's an even trade. Yeah. yeah. Actually, hey, listen. Let let let's start there with the. Well, look, I'm I'm curious because there there was a long time, uh, Eric, where those three California teams were so good, uh, perennial playoff teams in San Jose, uh, L.A. You know, Anaheim was a good team, and obviously it's a down cycle. L.A. has has turned the corner. Is it has Anaheim turned the corner yet, or do we still have another? another maybe painful season ahead for the Ducks. No, not yet. I think they're still at least, at least a year away. Um, The pieces are coming together though. I mean, you're starting to see something obviously. And you you mentioned it's going to be centered around Mr. Zegras there in the middle, uh, eventually taking over, you know, the, the, the number one center role, um, you know, uh, and hopefully sooner than later, obviously, but uh, Mason McTavish, Jamie Drysdale. There's, there's, there's a young core that's being put together. Troy Terry, you know, assuming that they will uh, resign, resign them after uh, this season. Um, so you've got that, and and now they've kind of buffeted with, you know, some. I don't know if it's stopgap measures necessarily, but guys like Ryan Strom and Frank Petrano, and you know, even a, a year or maybe more of John Klingberg, you know, so they've got some veterans to, to sort support those young guys, but it's clear that those, those four are going to be central to their efforts, you know, in the coming years. But I don't, I don't think they're ready yet. I, I think this is more of a year of another year of transition. And they get to the point where they're playing at least some meaningful games in the spring, not in April, but may, you know, for March or so, just something that something that has some sort of value, you know, to help spring them further forward. How real is the Mason McTavish hype? Because he's a guy we heard a lot <laughs> about during the World Juniors, and we saw bits and pieces of him of, of him last of him last fall. What have you seen from him, and what can we you know expect from him in the first little chunk here? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a good question because, um, quite honestly, during the preseason, I didn't see a whole lot uh, with him, and I actually kind of wondered if all the hockey he's played. I mean, he's Mm -hmm. played so much over the past, you know, really the whole calendar year, but he's played on so many teams. He just, you know, got through that, obviously that incredible experience uh, at the world juniors and and made one of the greatest, you know, plays in that tournament's history. And he was playing in, and weeks later, he's playing in the rookie games Mm -hmm. and and all three of them. I I honestly wondered if all that hockey kind of started to catch up with him a little bit of whatsoever. So I didn't see a whole lot, but, the, the interesting thing is right at the very end here on, on Saturday, they actually put um, they, they've got him starting out on the wing, uh, but they put him on a, a, a line with Ryan Strom and Troy Terry. So there's a picture where they do want him to succeed. And, and, and he's obviously going to start out with the club. He, he's going to start on, start out on the less demanding position of the wing as opposed to his natural one in center. But, you know, you're seeing a picture where they do want the kid to succeed. Um, and it's going to be a process like anything else. I, 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 I don't see him, you know, firing right out of the gate. I see a season of where he's really going to be learning what the jump really is like from not only just junior, but even just world junior tournament play to playing every night in the NHL. 
So another learning year on deck for McTavish and Zegris and that young core in Anaheim. I'm curious, though, about the other team in Southern California because the LA Kings, I think, made a nice postseason appearance last year. Not everybody thought that they were ready for prime time. Uh, was that a one-off, an early playoff uh, uh, appearance by LA? Or is this the start, Eric, of something of, hey, you know what, this young core and mixed with the older veterans, they're ready now to be a pretty consistent playoff team for the next three or four years? Yeah, no, I think we're going to be finding that out, that exactly what that is. I mean, inside, you know, inside, within their room, they certainly believe that it's the start of something special, maybe an, the start of, a, of an arc of winning and uh, maybe an arc of contending. Um, but, yeah, there's, there, are all, there is that wonder, you know, did they get, um, you know, career years out of Philip Deneau, uh, you know, and, and, and some other veterans, uh, you know, are they going to be able to, to replicate that or is there, is there going to be some sort of regression? I what I think, and you know, obviously they're adding Kevin Fiala here to the mix. I mean, a big addition uh, to you know to them and a sign of what they feel internally where they're at in terms of the evolution of the franchise. But um, I, I think, given how the Pacific is now and 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 some of the teams that you know they're going to be contending with, I actually think they could be a better team and have a tougher path to making the playoffs this year. Uh, I actually think they can be better than last year, but because of the in better competition, you got Edmonton, you got Calgary, Van, Vancouver's at least theoretically thinks it's better. Um, Vegas, the wild card in this, I think it's going to be a tougher path for them actually, even though they could be a better team. Is there like a, what, what's the internal definition of success for that team? Like, are they expecting to make it back to the playoffs in a winter round? Like it, will, will the season be, uh, successful if they don't if they don't hit that mark like where are they in turn like because we can sit here and talk about what they did last season sure. and all and all that but, but what's the what's the ex- expectation you know organizationally there do you think that's the word that they've been saying right from the very get-go whether it's tom mcclellan we just talked to rob blake the other day uh, uh or actually this morning actually um uh, about that um i think the expectation is fair to think that okay it's now getting back in the playoffs and being able to win around I don't think, and I don't think they think that they're quite ready yet to win a cup. They're not there yet. In fact, they're probably still another piece or two, you know, away from doing that. And we'll see if they can be able to, you know, if they have a successful season, are they going to be able to add at the deadline in order to put themselves in a better position to win rounds? Mm-hmm. But I think it's fair to say that um, they're expecting to, to, to get back in the playoffs. I, I think missing the playoffs would feel it would feel like a step back you know for, for them uh but i think that's where they're at uh you know in, in terms of and i think back to right around 2010 is when you know you know going back in that in that sort of that previous decade or whatsoever they were in a similar position where they were just starting to get into the playoffs with that core centered around kopitar and dowdy and, and all those great support players whatsoever that's where they started to make their rise. And then obviously we saw, you know, the, the peak in 2012 and 2014. Mm-hmm. I think they're sort of in that similar position where they're just starting to, to make that trek upward uh, or, or whatsoever. And again, I, you know, we'll see how the you know, season plays out. If, you know, if, if they can get Kevin Piala to, you know, be that, the kind of player that he's shown to be, you know, be something similar to the breakout 
player that he was in Minnesota last year and really give them a legitimate top line with Andre Kopitar and Adrian Kempe, you know, one that really can not only be productive, but really a line that opponents really need to key on. I think that's going to be really key to, um, you know, their success this year. You know, when you were uh, looking at the Pacific Division, you kind of put Vancouver uh, and Vegas in a similar boat. I think you called Vegas a wild card. You said Vancouver is theoretically uh, thinks that they're better. If you looked at those two teams, Eric, and looked at the Canucks and, and, and the Golden Knights, you had to pick one of them that you were more certain was going to make the playoffs. Who would it be? Uh, I want I still feel Vegas right now is the better bet. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just not as sold on Vancouver, uh, you know, just yet. And I, trust me, I'm a fan of Bruce Boudreau. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think especially year two of Bruce is when his teams really kind of start to take off. So it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't surprise me if the Canucks did that. I mean, he's, he's done that all throughout his career. He, you know, he starts to turn around and then year two is when, you know, his teams, mm-hmm. you know, take like, make that big step forward. But I think right now, Vegas still has, even though they're not particularly deep, they still have some of, some of the top end talent um, that, uh, that that really you you can win with, that that, that you can even compete for a, a division with, as long as Mark Stone and, and you know and others are able to stay healthy, basically. And let's let's not discount they've got Bruce Cassidy now. They've got they, they they've got a proven winner. Um, who's also going to be, you know, obviously motivated being with a new team. There's going to be some adjustment there, but um, the pieces are still there in place for Vegas to 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 contend. Um, but they'll be fun to see because we all know that it could blow up at any time there. <laughs> with, with that <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it's, I don't. I it's amazing to me that we've made it this far, you know, into into, into our conversation without mentioning Quentin Byfield. I feel like so much of you know, externally, the reason for optimism around the Kings is, is I think people look at him and say that there's that he's got certainly has more to give. And, you know, he could be that kind of X factor who makes the maybe some kind of jump from last season. But what have you seen from him in camp or the vibe surrounding him, you know, in terms of coming into a, a, a full season, hopefully for him? Yeah. See, here's here's the thing with him. It, it, you know, it's a great question. And look, there's high expectations for him. Make no mistake. I mean, they're expecting him to, you know, really take a real step forward and be an impact player. Mm -hmm. What's different with him is that he's in a situation where he's well supported. He doesn't have to center the top Mm -hmm. line or the second line. He's playing behind Andre Kopitar and Philip Deneau. So they're not expecting or counting on him to all of a sudden become this 60 point performer or whatsoever. But I think what they are expecting from him is to be someone that can not only center that third line, but really help deepen this lineup beyond those top two groupings. Because we, we know once you get to the playoffs, it's that third line. It's, it's, you know, that, the, 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 you know, the fill out that top nine that really can be a difference maker in the, in the postseason, And, from what I've seen of him or whatsoever, he he's, he looks strong. And it's weird saying this because he's you know six five and mm-hmm. two hundred and some on pounds or whatsoever. But he's stronger on his skates. He's possessing the puck a lot more. Yeah, the points aren't coming just yet. Uh, you know whatsoever. And some of that may be you know based on who he's playing with. 
but you're seeing now sort of the groundwork being laid with him, you know, in terms of being um, a dominant offensive player at times, you know, in the zone, just in terms of what the way he's being able to possess the puck, hog it. He's able to make plays. And I think over time, as you see over the course of season two, you, you, you'll see, see him being able to process plays, you know, better because he's got the ability. I mean, he's got mm-hmm. the ability. He's got the skills to make them and whatsoever. Um, so I think what helps in, in this instance is, is that he doesn't have to be a big time offensive player just yet. This is though, this is though the year for him to take a big step towards becoming that one day. Well, Eric, we've done this with every other guest, and we may as well do this with you to wrap it up. Let's get the Eric Stevens Stanley Cup final prediction here in October. Who are we going to see head-to-head, last two teams standing in June? How, how, how do you not choose the Chicago Blackhawks? I mean, really, <laughs> they have it loaded up. This is their this is your year. I mean, the pieces are all in place. How Max, do not do, Max Domi for Con Smythe. Let's go. <laughs> Um, you know, a lot of people want to say Carolina, I I would like to think it's their time as well. They can get that, you know, if if Sebastian Ajo or or someone from that group, you know, becomes that, that go-to guy in in a series or whatsoever. And eventually you need kind of that player to, you know, sort of step forward and, uh, become the guy whatsoever. I, I think it's you know possible that uh, that they can certainly do it, um, but I, 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 right now I, I, I'm not going to bet against Colorado. <laughs> They're just I they 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 have it in place to to repeat, um, and uh, and I, and it's kind of great to see too. It's kind of great to see teams now you know make multiple runs at it. Tampa almost you know pulled off the three peat there. You know who knows if they get back into the mix. I think Colorado has you know. A, a, you know, a, a great chance to, uh, to, you know, to keep the repeat thing going. Love it. Listen, we'll leave it there. Look forward to all your coverage of uh, hockey in Southern California here uh, in the season ahead. Cause a lot of compelling stories from Zegris to Byfield and uh, great young talent on, uh, on, on both of those teams, Eric Stevens. Thanks so much for uh, dropping by the athletic hockey show. All right, boys. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right, there he goes. Uh, Eric Stevens does a great job uh, covering hockey down there for us. That's pretty much all the time we have, but we can't leave without doing a couple of things. First of all, uh, we can't leave and ask everybody for their Stanley Cup final predictions and then not give our own, right? Mm -hmm. So, listen, I'll go first. I'm feeling we are going to get a Stanley Cup finals uh, rematch, but with a twist. It's a rematch from 2006. Give me Edmonton, give me Carolina. That's what I'm going with. (laughs) Give me Edmonton, give me Carolina. A little bit different. There's not going to be any goalie, uh, you know, shenanigans like there was for the Oilers in 2006 where they lost their top guys and all that. Uh, But, yeah, give me Edmonton, give me Carolina. I think that would be fun. trying to remember what I did in in, in our predictions post. I went up. I went Calgary over Carolina. Um, okay, so we both have the hurricane. Even Eric Stevens, mm-hmm. all three of us seem to be. I was glad. I was glad. I thought we were going to get stacked up on Carolina picks. I thought everybody was going to go with 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 Hurricanes as their as their Eastern Conference champion. So we backloaded it. Me, you, and Eric. That's uh, that's good enough. No, I I, uh, I love Carolina's off season. You know, it's bad luck for them that uh, Max Pacioretty, you know, 
joins the team and then immediately screws up his Achilles tendon. But, you know, he's the kind of guy that they lacked. He's a reliable 35 goal guy or however you want to classify him. The big thing that he brings is, is some postseason success. And that's what they missed. They missed the go-to guy. I think Eric said something about it, you know, with Ajo, maybe it's him. They need a go-to guy in, in a offensively in a series. There needs to be like an, an, an alpha who's out, who's out there scoring big goals. And I think Patrick gives that to him, but I, I don't know. I pick, I, I ultimately pick Calgary uh, mainly because it's fun. <laughs> it's an, it's, it's a fun, it's a funny idea to imagine, you know, the, the, the changeover resulting in a, in a cup there. I love Jacob Markstrom. I think he's a top five goalie in the league. I think he's going to be better rest of this season, maybe than he has been in the past. Uh, and I don't want to pick repeats because they're boring. So yeah, go Flames. I agree with you. Um, <laughs> that's why I went with the 2006 repeat. I, I love it. I enough see, that's time a hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing we want to hit on before we sign off on this live edition of the athletic hockey show was the, and I know you, you touched on this with Custance in your Monday uh, podcast, but happy, the happy NHL Thanksgiving, by the project. Way. Happy, yeah, happy, fake, happy that's, fake, that's Thanksgiving fake Thanksgiving. That's right. Yeah. Fake Thanksgiving. Uh, the NHL 99 uh, project where, yeah. look, we agree that in the post Wayne Gretzky is undoubtedly the great player of the last 50 years. Yeah, sure. Sure. We agree on that. Maybe. Nobody asked him. Nobody asked At me. At 99 and, uh, you know, the next 99 spots. So, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. We kicked it off. Marc-Andre Fleury makes the list. And I'm just curious here with Fleury landing at 100. He was a, he's an interesting guy, right? Because he won Stanley, uh, Stanley Cup in Pittsburgh, got to a, another final, but, you know, had some implosions, and but really likable guy. Uh, were you surprised that he either made the list or that he was where he was at number 100? I think that sounds about right. I think what he did in Vegas – I think he was a Hall of Fame goaltender before he went to Vegas. I think that ultimately he would have gotten in based on based on the cups with Pittsburgh, based on, you know, some of the some of the regular season he had regular season success, you know, he had before that meltdowns, you know, aside. But the run in Vegas, winning the Vezina, you know, that kind of sustained high level of individual play we saw from him to me is what elevated him into this sort of discussion, right? Where you're talking about the 100 best, you know, post-expansion players. And really, like, I know it's 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 actually surprising to say this because he's 100 and you think there would be, maybe be, you know, some funny business that goes on with placement, like, in, in lists. But as far as those guys go, as far as the bottom 10 guys go in this list, where there can be a ton of variance, we're going to see it from number 99, which, whatever, we can just say it, it's Chris Letang. And, you know, <laughs> he's there based on three people out of 12 and I'm one of them. I think people generally agreed on flurry. Like, I feel like most people had him a lot of, like it was a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of placement in the nineties, a lot of placement in the eighties, obviously not everybody had him on their list, but I think he was about as, um, about as non-controversial and non, non-divisive a guy as you could have had in, in, in that spot. Yeah. So listen, this is going to be a lot of fun in the, uh, the months ahead. We're going to count these down pretty much on a, Daily basis, and it, it provides great uh, fodder for us, great storytelling uh, behind these, but great source of conversation and, you know, a banter uh, on all the po- uh, the podcast shows. So this is going to be a lot of fun, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, to counting this down down to, I guess, to number two, really, right? Because mm-hmm. we know Gretzky's uh, sitting in there at uh, at number one. But listen, yep. this this was great. The hour flew by, man. Like, oh, man, uh, I know. 67 minutes. 
Yeah, I can 67. tell. I, I can tell because there's a clock running right in front of me. Look face. at that. Is that is that a sign for the Leafs? Sixty seven. The show oh, is. Oh no! Wait, we got it. Yes, no, we, we got to go an extra. Pull the, plug, pull the plug right extra, now. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. No. Hey, listen. We'll leave it there. I want to thank everybody for if you watch this live edition of the Athletic Hockey Show, uh, this live stream edition. Look, if you missed part of it, you want to listen again. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have the entire thing up as a podcast a little later today. So follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Leave us a rating and review. We'll certainly appreciate that. You can subscribe to The Athletic for a dollar a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. I want to remind everybody the Wednesday edition of The Athletic Hockey Show is coming at you with uh, Rob Pizzo, Mike Russo, Joe Smith. We're going to have uh, Nashville forward Nino Niederreiter with them. So that should be a lot of fun on the Wednesday edition of, uh, of The Athletic Hockey Show. Did I get that right? He's with Nashville, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Add, so all of a sudden, they, as they I add. said it, I'm like, wait a minute. Is he Nashville? It, it he's sounds. Those, it sounds like weird. He's, he's he signed, either in he Minnesota, signed. Carolina. Mm-hmm. He's somewhere. Yeah, that's where he is. So, well, we know for sure he's going to be on the Wednesday edition of the pod. So, uh, make sure you tune in to that. Uh, that does it. So for Sean Gentilly, I guess I'm Ian Mendes saying thanks for tuning in to this uh, special live stream edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Uh, enjoy the season, and uh, we'll get you again next time.